0: I was on stairmaster and i was listening to a podcast and on this podcast it was a, a leadership conference and it was talking about how um and, and this is you you have to listen to the whole thing before you you stop listening to me because in the middle of it it's going to go ow. Oh, but there's another side so just hold on uh i was listening to it and he said you know when, the way I can tell if the vision of what I'm doing is getting across or if it's failing is by listening to the leaders and to the people's prayer requests. And he said, you know, if, if you listen and all the prayer requests are, you know, bless my kids, pray for my uncle, which are all awesome prayer request because it says bring your request to the throne room of god make your request made known and you know and he will give you the petitions of your heart all that good awesome stuff but then the second part was um if they're not praying for the lost then part of the vision is not coming through because that's what we're here for is the lost and you can tell what people are meditating, and you can tell what people are thinking about by their prayer requests. Bless me, bless my house, bless my kids, take care of them, make it safe, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and where, you're, where you're, your heart is, what you're dwelling on, what you're thinking about, what you're concerned about, those are in the forefront of your prayer, prayer requests. And as I was sitting there, and I was on the trip, on my trip, not trip, I was on Master. I began to, like, tear up a little bit. I thought, God, I don't know that I've... I mean, I, I I I pray for the lost, but I don't pray for the people that are in my sphere of influence that might be lost. I don't look for, you know, lost people where I am. I work uh, at school, and I've witnessed to all the people that are around me. I hardly leave my room. Uh, and then I... I go to the gym, and you just go there and work out, and then you come home, and my, my kids are saved. My husband's saved. My family's basically saved, like my family. <laughs> John's family's all saved. My family's working on it. Uh, there's some of them that still aren't paying attention to the ch- Christian upbringing yet, but they will. And uh, <laughs> Amen. And, but I hadn't really been seeking God about the lost around me. And it kind of like brought, like, oh, where have I been? And um, so tonight, I'm going to give you examples of Jesus, because he's our example, and how his business was to be about going after the lost. And as the commission that we have, our business is to be about going after the lost. And that God will begin to open our eyes and show us places where we can be a witness where we are. Because it's easy to be a witness in church. It's easy to be a witness in, in like, your job where everybody knows you. Because by now you're probably known as, oh, yeah, she's a Christian, you know, or he's a Christian. They kind of get that. But in your sphere of influence, where are you? in the places where you go are you looking for those conversations are you looking for those places where you can speak into people's lives and so that's uh that's where god that's where god's going to take us tonight so hold on it's it's not it's not a bitey word it's an encouraging word because this is what this is what we're here for and so we're going to get some tools tonight to learn how to do that and i was as i was preparing for this I was going through a survey from a training session at a Billy Graham crusade in Detroit, and one of the questions they asked was, what is your greatest hindrance of witnessing? And this is what they said. 9% said they were too busy to remember. I'm too busy. We get that. 21% said they felt a lack of real information to share. 0%. None of them said that they didn't really care. Not one. So, I mean... We, we know this. As believers, we know this. We know that, that this is what we're about. This is what we're supposed to be doing. None of them said, oh, I don't care. Thank good hell. I don't care. You know, nobody said that. Um, 12% said their own lives were not speaking as they should. Get that? 51%, the majority of the people said that the fear of how other people would react was the main reason why they didn't share their faith. 51 percent and you know we've all been in those places where we could have been part of that 51 percent where we could have said something and then we kind of yeah i don't know (laughs) and kind of held it back so we're going to look at what jesus did and how he lived his life and hopefully get us to a place where we can begin to see how we can be examples wherever we go so in the first, and I thought that was funny, the first scripture that God gave me was John 3.16. And if you look on Facebook today, they're all like, oh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Because it's 3.16. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's the connection. Yay. Light bulbs. Woo. <laughs> oh, for God so loved the world. I mean, Jesus loved the lost. And, and from the beginning, since Adam fell, the plan was to make it so that he can have that relationship again with us. And he so loved the world. He so loved that, that relationship with us. He so loved us. He so loved the lost that he was willing to sacrifice his son for it. He sent, I mean, he sent his most precious gift and said, This is what I'm going to give in exchange for you. And we hold that light on the inside of us because we're all, for the most part, looking around believers. We hold that light. We hold that love. We've received that precious, awesome gift. We have it. And we're carriers of that light everywhere that we go. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life that's us amen thank you jesus for that gift now we do have that but that's not i mean it's for everybody and in the parables that he gave me that gave examples of this were in luke 15 there's like three of them there and if you turn with me in luke 15 if you have your bible tonight and you do because we held it up and said it's true so in luke 15 4 through 7 it talks about the hundred sheep. It said, how many of you had a hundred sheep and one of them ran away would just be like, oh, well. You would, you would leave the 99 and you would go look for the one. And you would bring it back and you'd be like, whoa, found my sheep. Yay! You know, and, and that's the way God is. I mean, we're all saved. We're all good to go. But there's, a lot, there's another one out there. There's another one out there. There's another one out there. And he's like, go get them. Go find them for me. You have that gift. Get them. Or in um, 8 through 10, it's the parable of the lost coin. You know, it it talks about she lost one of her gold coins. And she took the house and turned it upside down to find it. I I get that. You know, gold coin... (laughs) Oh, I lost, I lost it, you know, and praying, Lord, I thank you that you know where everything is. And I thank you for my remembrance, you know, as you turn the house upside down because that coin's gone and that's, that's worth something that's valuable. So are the lost people around you. They're valuable to God. They're good. The parable of, and the next one is the parable of the prodigal son. And he waited on the road, pacing back and forth, knowing that his son was coming. And when he saw him, he ran to get him, looking for him, waiting anxiously, standing and staring and waiting for his son to come back. That's the lost. That's the ones that Jesus is, you know, he's like, could could you open your mouth? Could you get out of the 51% and go to the the other the other half of that and at least give me a chance? Could you please? Because they're precious to him. They're worth something, they're valuable. And we see them every day. We pass by them, we sit by them, we we exercise by them. They're 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 all around us. So um the next part was that he, you know. And all those things, he loved the lost. Then when Jesus came, he came for the lost. And the scripture that God gave me, there was Luke 5, 27 through 32. And this was an opportunity when he sent Jesus, this was an opportunity to restore the relationship that God intended to have with mankind. He didn't form us to be puppets. He didn't form us to be little playthings on the earth. He formed us to have a relationship not a religion. He doesn't want us to bow down and, 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 and just you know, mindlessly obey him. He wants us to love him like we, like he loves us. He wants us to say, I'm so glad that you saved me. I love you so much. What is it that my life can do for you? I am so thankful for the gift that you gave me. What is it that I can do in exchange? What is it that I can do in return? How can I Bless you, God. Show me what's valuable to you, and I will go after it. So in Luke 5, 27 through 32, and it was talking about, he had just talked to Matthew, the tax collector, and the tax collectors weren't, like, really reputable people at the time. And he said, you know, come follow me. And he left it all, and he followed him. And at the time, Levi, if you read on, gave him, had a big party, and all the tax collectors and all the people like that came and they had dinner together, and Jesus and his disciples sat down and ate with them. They didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you're not one of us. You don't go to my church. I can't eat with you. You're not part of who we are. I got no time for that. They sat down and ate with them, And the scribes and the Pharisees said, what are you doing eating with sinners? And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come for the righteous, but the sinners. Not to bring the the righteous to repentance, but for the sinners. He didn't come for people who already knew him or supposedly knew him. Or knew a form of him. He came for those who wanted to have a relationship with him. The ones that needed him. That's what he came for. The ones that needed him. He was never too busy. He was never too tired. He was never too emotionally drained to give. You see that in the scripture? In, In John, is it John 4? Oh, no, Mark 6, 30 through 44. And this was right after john the baptist was beheaded and if you remember john the baptist baptized him i he was i believe his cousin and he was beheaded because of jealousy or because he said like you know oh you shouldn't be doing this because that's wrong and they were like oh i'll show you <laughs> i cut your head off you know and <laughs> that's the elizabeth version but um but he said, you know, he got his head cut off for speaking truth. Yeah, right. and, that, and the disciples, they came and told Jesus this. And he told his disciples, he said, you know what, let's just get out of here. We're going to take a few days. Go chill, get ourselves put back together. Because, you, you know, when you lose somebody that's close to you for a tragic reason, that's hard. That's hard on your emotions. That's hard on your spirit. That's hard on your morale. And they were, they were just people. And he said, let's go collect ourselves. And when he did, as he was going away, the people were so compelled that they followed after him, they ran after him on the shore. This same light, this same love, this same thing that we have, it was so real in him that they chased after him on the shore. And he was so moved with compassion He said, you know, I'm tired. I'm emotional. I want to sit down and take a break with my friends, but they need me. And so at that day, he took took an opportunity to preach to them all day long. He fed them spiritually, and then he fed them physically. That's the feeding of the 5,000. And this was right after, I mean, getting away from your cousin's been beheaded. The man who ushered you in, the man who baptized you has been beheaded for speaking truth. And that would be an emotionally draining time, but he was never too emotional. He was never too spent to give out. The next one was he was teaching. He was teaching in the synagogue and somebody said, Oh, please take my... T- they tried to put the kids on his lap. And the disciples were like, well, what are you doing? Don't you know he's teaching? Yeah. And they rebuked the... And they said, get those kids out of here. And Jesus was like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm teaching, but it's okay. I have time for this. I have space in my life for this. This is why I'm here. To make... There's nobody that's, that's insignificant in my kingdom. There's nobody that's insignificant that's here. They all need what I have. That same light, that same love that you carry. They need that. The next one was, he was on his way uh, to heal a little girl. And the lady with the issue of blood stopped him in the middle of the crowd. He said, I need what you have, and Jesus stopped what he was doing on the way to something very, very important. And he said, "I have time for this. I can stop my schedule, and we can take care of this. You're healed because you're important because you've you've drawn on what I have, what what I have. You've taken it and you got what you needed. You're important." You were lost, but now you know who I am. This is is a good time. I've got time in my life for this. The last one was Vine Bartimaeus. And I love this story because he's sitting on the side of the road and he's going, Jesus! Son of David! Messiah! I need you. Jesus, and they're like, shut up, for real, <laughs> and his disciples were like, don't you know what he's doing, they're crying, Hosanna, they're ushering him into his place, he's got no time for this now, don't you know what's happening, we're ushering in Emmanuel, right. duh, right. shut it, <laughs> and he's like, Jesus. He was on his way to the cross. He was on his way to be crucified. He knew what was coming. And this is the important part of the story in in this context. There's a lot of important parts of that story. But he said, Jesus stopped and called to Bartimaeus. Jesus asked him to come to him. Jesus didn't meet Bartimaeus by accident. He didn't just happen to be in front of Jesus Jesus stopped and asked him to come this shows that Jesus wanted to hear his request on the way to the cross on the way to his destiny on the way to the the quintessential moment of his 33 years what he came for stopped come here it's okay come here, it's okay, you're important. As he cries out, because he knows who he is. He knew he was the son of David, yeah. which didn't no, everybody else just calls him Jesus uh, of Nazareth, not son of David. Yeah. He knew who he was. He knew what was in him, and he wanted it. Yeah. And Jesus said, you're important. I've got time for you. I can step out of my, uh, you know, and and that, you know, when when you get a big day like that and you think, you know, (laughs) I'm going to be something today, which we could in our own thinking. We all have busy, important days. And there's people sitting in our path, on our way to wherever we're going, screaming, Jesus! With their actions. You know, we look at them like, (laughs) and Jesus says, no, look at it the way I see it. They're screaming for me. They're dying for me. And he said, what do you want? He said, I want to see. That's all I want. I want to see. He said, oh, okay. And in those moments and in those times when it could have been something that, that, that he could have been sidetracked by, he could have turned a deaf ear to, he could have pretended they weren't there, I mean, in all those instances, it would have been, everybody else was saying, shut up, go away, he's busy. All of them would have been socially acceptable to just keep on going. Because he was on his way to something that was important down the road. And he stopped. Jesus had a heart for the lost. Are our hearts crying the same way? Are we looking at what's on the inside of us as something that vital to the people around us? Are we looking at it as something that they need, like they need to breathe? Because it's it's that vitally important. As Pastor Pam said, this Sunday, there are people slipping into hell every day. And we know them. You know, we like to say, you know, when somebody dies and you don't know them, you know, they're always like, well, they're in a better place. Okay. I hope so. Some of them we know for sure. <laughs> Some of them we don't know. But, you know, and... but. That, you know, that's for God to decide. That's not my deal. Got too much my (laughs) 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 Woo! Okay. Uh, He went where they were. The woman at the well, John 4. This chick was all messed up. She was mixed up with the wrong crowd, had a bad reputation, had five husbands, and was living in sin with someone else. Now, even by today's standards. Now, back then, I can't imagine. Poor thing. I mean, that would be a hard... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hard road hoe right there, man. I mean, but to, even by today's standards, you'd get a sideways glance. For real? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but because, and she was a Samaritan. Now, because of her lowly standards, she was going to get water in the hottest part of the day because she wanted to avoid everybody in town. Because they're tongue wagging and their head bobbing, and they're so girl, you silly, you know. <laughs> she, she didn't want any part of that, so she went in the hottest part of the day where everybody else was sleeping, having a siesta, so to speak, because she wanted to avoid them. And so while she was there, Jesus was there. Now, Jesus had sent his disciples to go get him something to eat, and he could have just sat there and waited. And said, well, you know, they'll give me something to drink, too, I'm sure. But because, you know, think about it. If you're Jesus' disciple, he's like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm like, okay, i go get you some water. No, 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 You want a big glass, little glass? You know, you're, you're, you're out. You're getting Jesus some water. I'll get you some water. Not a big deal. I'm <laughs> Curtis is on the case. I'll be right back. You know, you've got some water for the man because he's Jesus. And you know who he is. And so, but he went to where people would be. He went and sat at the well. And she came, and she got ready to draw her water, and he said, would you get me a drink? She's like, are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, because I would imagine this would be the same kind of conversation. I've never met a nice Christian, if you were here on Sunday. I've never met a nice Jew. Why are you talking to me? Because she knew who she was, and she knew what, what, she knew what to expect. When she met somebody, she knew what kind of, what kind of, you know, feedback she was going to get from them, because she knew who she was, because she had experienced that over and over and over and over and over again, what people (laughs) thought of her and how they treated her because of who she was. I've never met, and I asked you, why are you talking to me? And Jesus began to tell her who she was, because he knows that stuff, you know, (laughs) we don't hide things from him. Um. And he knew who she was. And he didn't have to tell her that what she'd done was wrong. He didn't tell her. He said, I love you. You're important. And if you'll take what I have, this living water that I am, then your soul will never thirst again. And she was like, huh. That's a new thought. And she went away and told everybody, I met Jesus, and he changed me. And she went out and she let everybody know what it was about because Jesus had taken a moment and gone to where people were and, and opened his mouth. He wasn't in the 51%. Because when he started to talk to her she and love her, She didn't react weird because he didn't come to judge her. He didn't come to condemn her. He came to love her. And that's our job too. He didn't judge him. He loved him. The woman caught in adultery, they threw her at his feet. And so what are you going to do about this one? The law says stone her. And I would imagine if she was caught in the act of adultery, probably didn't give her a ton of time to, you know, spruce up. And he just looked at her and he looked at them and he said, you without sin, throw away, have at it. And the only one left worthy of rock throwing said, I don't condemn you either. Go and be free, sin no more. She left changed because nobody had ever done that for her. Nobody ever looked at her and said, you're worth it. You're valuable. I see something on the inside of you that they don't. I see you differently. I see you through eyes of love and eyes of compassion. It warns us in the Bible to judge about judging people. And let's turn to... Um, Matthew 7 1 through 5 because when we start to get ourselves together when we start to look like something it becomes very easy to say well why can't you do this why can't you figure this out I ain't for real and it says judge not that you be not judged for with that judgment you with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure that you used, it will be used back on you. Whoa! <laughs> right, it, you know, it, it, this is this is like imperative to who we are. I need lots of mercy. <laughs> I, need, I, mean, I don't know how many times I walk away going oh Lord <laughs> could you please just make that disappear from, somebody, from their brain and just I need mercy here <laughs> because who doesn't need that and when we look at other people and we begin to judge them because of the situation they're in because of the circumstances they find themselves because of things they've done when we allow that to slant how we treat them We begin to judge them. And it says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not see the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Or then in 1 Corinthians 4, let's go there. In 1 Corinthians 4, 4 and 5, it says, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring bring to light the hidden things and the darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart then each one's praise will come from God. Our job is not to judge people. Our job is to love them. Only God can judge people. Only God can judge them. You know, he looks at a person and sees the motives of the heart. We look at them and see the fruit. (laughs) And if we look at the motives of the heart, if we begin to ask God, you know, how do I love them? What does that look like? He'll show us. Yeah, you know, I, I have a couple of uh I have a couple of siblings who aren't paying attention to their Christian upbringing yet, and um, you know, that just makes you mad. It's like uh, back in the day. Um, like you know. You know you were brought up in the same house I was, you were brought up with the same, same you. Know. <laughs> what are you doing? And God reminded me, they don't lack any condemnation. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing wrong, because they grew up in the same house as you, and they grew up with the same mom as you it was telling them the same things they told you. Yeah. So they know exactly who they are. And on, um, and well-meaning, God-fearing people, I don't know how many times they've told them, "Well, you're just going to hell," and you know that really just touches their heart. <laughs> 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 and they just say, "Oh, that's so awesome! Thank you for the warning." <laughs> that just, you know, I I, I want to go hug something that. That's all scary like that, thanks. You know, that's not the reaction. They close off. They become defensive. They stop listening. They start defending. At that point, you know, you might as well be talking about painting your dog orange because nothing's going in. They've totally shut you off. There's no conversation left because you're not speaking to their hearts. You're not saying, well, let's just have a conversation about something. Let's just spark this up, see what happens. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your dog. That's awesome. I, I, you know how much I love you. You know the answer. You know that I'm going to be here when you're ready to say, yes, Lord. You know I'm praying for you all the time. But I'm going to love you right now and I'm going to accept you right now. I know the stuff you're doing is not what it should be, but I'm going to love you right now. And I can be in the same room as you, and I can hang out with you, and we can play games, and you can participate in as much crazy as you think is possible, and, but it doesn't matter because I love you and that doesn't change how I feel about you I don't agree you know I don't agree with what you're doing And, and you know that so it's okay but I love you and God loves you and God has a better plan for you than this and God wants to scoop you up and take you in his arms and help you be all that he called you to be if you'll let him That's loving somebody, saying, I know where you are. I know there's a better way, and if you want help, I'm here for you, but I'm going to be here, and I'm going to love you anyway. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to unfriend you on Facebook because you're doing stupid stuff. (laughs) Now, sometimes they unfriend me because I say things that says, Really? <laughs> is that your best choice today? Why don't you go back? <laughs> but but um, we, we, we're called, we're commissioned. We're commissioned to reach the lost. It says in Luke four eighteen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to claim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable years of the Lord, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Loving your neighbor as yourself in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That means your home, your community, your town, your state, and your nation, and the world. Now, if you can't start loving in your house, don't go next door. (laughs) You're not ready. (laughs) You've got to be able to love the people in your home, and love them the way God would. Right. Now, don't be, <laughs> you know, because you're like, well, yeah, I'll go next door because this house is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing here going right. Next door seems awesome. Thank you, God, for calling me there. You know, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go to Africa. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I know. But that, that's what, I mean, we're called to that. We get to practice in our homes. And then when we get it in our homes, we get to practice it in our neighborhood, and then it's just a drill. It's all good. They did it this morning. It's just a drill. Seven o'clock, seven forty-three, seven to eight. Right? That was the yeah. time. Yep. Look, they made it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But loving people is what we're here for because when we love them the way God loves them, they're going to say, I need that. They're going to be standing on the side of your road going, Jesus, I need you. And if we're walking by too busy to give them the time of day or with a look on our face like we just smelled a fart, then they're not going to want that. Oh wait, this is not the youth. <laughs> Gonna want to edit that before John gets back. He won't like that. <laughs> I mean but seriously, you're like, What's that smell? You know, and that's the way you're you're looking at people and they're like, never mind. <laughs> you know. But we got to love them. We got to let them know it's okay. You can, You can be around me and I'm not going to smack you upside the head with my Bible. I'm a nice person. I mean, it, it, it's okay. The fields are white. It says in John 4, 35 through 38, Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ready, already white for harvest. They're already white. They're already ready. Somebody else planted. Somebody else watered. You get a reap. Or you get a plant. Woo! Or you get a water. Woo! Whatever it is, do your job. There are people dying all around you. And I began to pray. I began to ask God. I was like, okay, God, then, it, and, and, and this is, this is, a, when my daughter was in middle school, one of her dance team friends' moms, I'm telling myself, one of her dance team friends' mom said, oh, maybe sometime we should go out to eat with your mom. Like, she'd like to have lunch with me. My daughter looks at her and says, my mom's not a great friend of the one she has. I don't think she wants any more. <laughs> yeah she tells the truth um <laughs> but you know and, and for a long time I thought yeah that's true I mean I you know I'm busy I got a lot I mean I would go from one thing to one thing to one thing to one thing and and I was that was absolute for a while that was absolute truth I'm like yeah sure tell them that because then they won't call me when to have lunch you know <laughs> just being honest um And then God began to convict me. For real? Like, how much time would it take you to go have lunch with a chick and then maybe change your life? (gasps) Oh, (laughs) my bad. You know? (laughs) So what I'm asking you tonight is, where would you be if nobody reached out to you? Where would your life be? Think about it. If nobody had said, "I have time," it'll just take a minute to tell you about Jesus. I have time to mentor you a little bit. I have a time to disciple you. I have time to help you. Where would your life be if nobody did that for you? I know where mine would be. <laughs> it's bad. Where's the harvest field in your life? I begin to ask God to show me where is the harvest field. Because you know, honestly, I'm around people who believe in God all day long. I at school, I've witnessed about all I can. And anytime they need something, they come to me. They know where to come. You know, the ones who need encouragement come when they need encouragement. The ones who need prayer, know come to prayer. And the ones who have said, "Yeah, no thanks," they don't come see me at all. Um, <laughs> but they know where I am so I begin to ask God God you have to show me and he began, to, he began to show me people in my day and I'm like God I am so open if you bring him across my path I'll talk to him and little by little like it started with a hi hi and it started with yeah I can talk to you while we hang out here and work out awesome And it slowly, slowly started to be about Jesus. You know, and we all have people around us. We just have to ask God to show them to us. Who do they look like? You know, we have Easter coming up. People are very open at Easter time to come to church. I don't know if they need new kids, new clothes for their kids or, or their heart says yes. or Whatever reason, we'll take it. Because when they were little, their grandma drug them to church on Easter. Whatever it is, we'll take it. But, but I'm going to challenge you tonight to add this side to your prayer list. Father, show me the people around me that are lost. Show me the people around me that are valuable to you. Let me see them with your eyes. Father, remove all the filters of judgment. Remove all the filters of condemnation. Remove all those things because they already feel bad enough about themselves. Don't let me heap any more on, Lord. Make my, make my life and my face pleasant. So I will seem like someone that they want to engage in a conversation with. And have them begin to show you who those people are. And you'll be surprised. You start, I mean, God answers prayer. <laughs> I mean, I've got like three or four on my radar right now. It's like, you know, well, and, and my neighbor across the street, I was like, I need, I, I, I just from, I don't know them. Like I said, we're in and out, and they're in and out, and they've got little kids, and we don't have little kids, and, and it's just, we're different, we, we've helped them with a couple of things, but we've not really had an opportunity to go over and sit down and say, hey, everything all right in your life, you know, kind of thing, and I look up, I've got breakfast duty this week, and I've been praying about how to do it, and I'm standing there at breakfast duty, and this chick comes in as an aide with one, and it's, first day she walks in and I'm like, Next day, I'm, next day, I'm on breakfast. I'm like, are you my neighbor? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. I'm like, no way. <laughs> and she's been working there since October. And I haven't, like, I don't come out of my room much. But I was down there doing breakfast duty, and there she is. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll ask for her to carpool. And we'll have t- 20 minutes to and from. I'm like, sweet. Thank you, Jesus. I can't, you know, I can't make this stuff up. But God can. And if you're worried about what people will say, and if you're worried about what people will think, and if you're worried that you won't have the words to speak, trust me. In those moments, in that time, when you start to talk, it'll just come out. I've, I've, as we, since we've started this, I've asked God, there's been a couple of instances where I had to just speak. And before, that would really, like, make me anxious. Like, I need to have something really important to say because I'm representing you, God, and I don't want to mess this up. I mean, it would really kind of overwhelm me, the awesomeness of the responsibility. And I've had a couple opportunities where I've had to just get up and talk. It's like, okay. And so in those moments when I quiet myself, God speaks in my ear. And there's always that word. And it and God's no respecter of persons. Just because I stand up here and do this doesn't mean that God thinks any more of me than he does of you. He is always there. He is always speaking. His the Holy Spirit always has your back. Always has your back. And and if you Need to say something, you'll have the words. Don't let fear of not knowing what to say back you down. It's time to get fierce. I mean, that's the tenacity you got to have that just says, you know, I'm going to say this, and if I die in the middle of it, well, I'll be with Jesus. You know, it's all good. <laughs> But that's the way we have to. We have to approach it that way. We can't let fear keep us because these people are valuable. They are precious to our Savior, to our King, to our Lord. They're precious and they're needed in the kingdom. The things that they have, the gifts that they have, the talents that they have, we need them. God needs them. He sent His Son, His only beloved Son, to die on the cross so that anybody would believe in Him, they would have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Well, tonight we're going to pray. And we're going to get after it. So, get on your feet. (laughs) If you need Jesus... I think it's been pretty clear that you are precious to him he went out of his way to have a relationship with you there is absolutely nothing that he held back and if you've never asked him to be the lord of your life if you've never asked him that says i need you if you've never said yes lord come and take over if you've never done that, tonight we want to give you an opportunity. If you close your eyes, actually, if you need Jesus, just come on up. If you need Jesus, just come on forward. We're going to pray with you. If there's anybody in the house that doesn't know Jesus tonight, tonight we hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.